Welcome to the latest edition of the Bluminati podcast. Uh, it's the first one in about six or seven weeks. We've been super busy. I know I've been super busy. Colin's doing whatever the hell he does. And Vito, you're working a lot of nights lately, huh? Yeah, end of the semester. A lot of freelance stuff. It's great. <laughs> and a, and a lot of and a lot of Vito's freelance stuff is uh, stuff that I send them from my real job all day. So um, I know I'm keeping him busy. And dishonorable mention podcast. If you haven't had a chance, Anthony Vito is your producer. It's uh, pretty spectacular. If you want to listen to a little bit more about politics and news and local current events and stuff like that, um, so free plug. Hey, plug my one podcast and my other podcast. Proud of kid. Yeah. So I have, a, I have a question for you guys. Go. All right. So Samantha and I recently sent out wedding invitations. Okay. And I mean, you know, we're balling on a budget a little bit. So we've kind of designated um, each person gets this many people and we put it on the RSVP and then they send it back to us. So if someone's getting five people, like they received five uh, seats, but they're only bringing three then they would just put three. Yes, I'm attending. Three are attending. I had an invitation come back to me. Um, we designated one seat for the person and they RSVP two. How do I handle that? Oh, doctor. Okay. So as somebody who goes to a lot of weddings, um, this is a tough call. Now, I am single and, of course, I am old. So most of my friends have been married at least once at this. Always point. a bridesmaid, not a bride. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all of my friends have been married at least once, basically, except uh, for myself. Um, there are times in my life when I have a significant other and there are times when I don't. Um, this comes down to a case by case basis. I am a big proponent. If you can afford it and you're having a big wedding then you should send the single people the right to have a date too so that we are not just sitting there and it's not, not mandatory that you have to bring a date, but the option to bring one. So that way we're not all just sitting in the corner with each other at the like kids table at Thanksgiving gets a little awkward. So, um, sometimes the kids table can be super duper fun. Um, Matt Ratner and I have a great story of, uh, being at the kids table at our friend Mark's wedding. Um, that's really not fit for this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> there I'm that rat. <laughs> I'm that rat. Um, so sometimes being at the kid's table can be really fun and sometimes it, it's kind of lame. Um, so if you can afford it, that's fine. Now, Nate, um, you invited me to your wedding and you did. did not, and you did not send it with an guest. And I was not offended at all for two reasons. One, you know that I am currently unattached, though I think when you got engaged, I was. Um, but now that I'm not, so you know that I don't have a significant other one. And two, as you said, balling on a budget, you were trying to do this as low cost as possible. That is totally fine. Um, I had I was not offended whatsoever. But if you're doing like a large scale black tie destination wedding type of deal and you invite me as a single, kind of a dick move. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's kind of a dick move. Now, um, I, uh, yeah, it's kind of veto thoughts because you're going to have to go through this here pretty soon. I'll tell you all fair who it is. And it's hilarious. Is it Connor? No. 
Oh, fair, man. Uh, well, I'm assuming we, it wasn't any of the uh, any of our group that you invited. Um, my thoughts are: if your invitation says one, only one. That means you don't get a plus one, and that's kind of the etiquette there. If you feel like you were wronged and you should get a plus one, then you have a separate conversation. But I think that what you state and what you set as your total needs to be your total because there's no going over your total. Yes. Yeah. And and by the way, so like, you know, Vito's engaged now. So Molly counts. So like if you're doing invitations and you're setting up and to, you know, if you have to bring significant others and it came down to me and Vito and you wanted like Vito should absolutely get the extra spot because he's engaged and I'm not, I'm not offended by that either. But if you're making me like go to like a destination wedding in like, I don't know, Miami, Vegas, L.A., whatever, and I got to go far, then I absolutely should always be allowed to bring a guest. Yeah. So here's what our rule was. If you're engaged or married, you automatically get the plus one. OK. And I think that's fair. Um, we we have not met the significant other that this person is bringing. And are they engaged? No. Do they live together? No. I would say hard no. But I mean, it also depends. Is it your friend that you know? Is it one of someone on her side of the family? Is it a family friend? Is it one of those things that's kind of hard to teeter? But I feel like that's a hard no. Okay. Just knowing numbers. If you have like, if, if you say, hey, we're you know, doing a hundred people or whatever, but we're going to save 10 extra just in case somebody shows up or there's a, a situation where there's more people, then that's a little different. That can be part of your flex, but you know, especially balling on a budget, which, you know, as we start looking at what weddings cost, Oh boy, that per plate, <laughs> that per plate mark, man, that does not shift. That's, I would say hard. No, but again, there's other situations that could change that. Okay, I just I, I needed some outside advice, outside counsel because uh, Samantha and I were we were wrestling with uh, this. So you know, we I think we sent out invitations with a total of like one twenty, knowing twenty percent of those people aren't coming. So this kind of threw off our number a bit. But if it turns out to be okay, then we might just let it ride and avoid the. Super awkward conversation. Boy, is that going to be awkward, man! I kind of want you to have that conversation. Just put it on like film or something, because wow, that gets weird. Oh, it's going to be nice. But and I also, I also don't know. It's like once you're in that, once you're in a wedding and you're Spanish, you know, planning a special event and things like that. I think it's kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say. It, it's kind of rough on him to say, "Hey, I want to bring an extra person." Just kind of like an assumption kind of thing. It's like if the invitation said one, the invitation said one. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to some football related topics. <laughs> I kind of want to talk about wedding etiquette because it's actually way more interesting than football. I know. Even though football is so, way better than it, I'm more excited about football than I've been in a while. But like, I'd still rather talk wedding etiquette because that's way more fun. Yeah. So uh, Samantha just walked by and uh, she's like, what are you talking about? Hi, Samantha. And I, t- I told her and she just gave me this look like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the I slack pod- table is going to be hilarious and probably I- sequester to the back corner. <laughs> oh, for sure. You- <laughs> We're not doing assigned seating, but like you guys know where you're sitting. <laughs> 
<laughs> Vito, I'll bring the flask. Let's do this. Unfair. Fortunately, I can't attend because I'm, I'll be attending another wedding on the same day. <laughs> oh, that's right. Are you there? So who from, so who from uh, the blog slash Slack will be there? Uh, you. Uh, Connor said he'd hopefully make it because uh, he's up in Virginia right now. Right. Um, Thor. Okay. And uh, who else? Stieg and um, a couple others that have not confirmed yet. So I don't want to say that they're coming if they're not. Okay. Um, interesting. Very interesting. It'll be good times. It'll be a good day. I'm yeah. looking forward to this. So should I should I send Michael Kelly an invite to like how? So actually, yes, you should. Okay, so it depends on what you're trying to get out of the wedding. So here's the thing. So like you sent Vito an invitation, and to Vito's credit, he has another wedding that day. That is unfortunate. The other one, I believe, was previously booked as well. He had, it's like yeah, that's gotta correct. go. Yeah, so like he's he's previously betrothed on that day. So. Vito still has to buy you a gift. Okay. Well, that's no, that's rude. No, Vito, I'm not expecting a gift from you. You're getting no, married as well. No, Vito's got to buy you a gift. But the, the bigger overwhelming thing is if you invite Michael Kelly, okay, he's probably going to say no. <laughs> and you can get a gift out of it. And if he does show up, that's even better. This is why you should always invite famous celebrity people in all capacities to all of your weddings. You know what I mean? Because okay. you can't lose. Either they send a gift or they show up. And either way, it's a win. All right. So this is your standing invitation, Jose and Michael and Charlie and Kerwin. <laughs> and uh, Brian and Brian Gregory and Billy Mole. I mean, all of you guys. With I'm plus ones. With plus ones. Yeah, I mean, all those guys are married. So why not? Courtney, Coach Ooh. Brennan. Coach Bradley, all you guys, come on down. All right, let's let's stop the tomfoolery and get into some football. Um, so spring practice has started, and uh, I think the overwhelming theme so far is excitement, um, fun, and. Uh, the players seem to be enjoying themselves out there, which is a stark contrast to 2017, 2018. Agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, we look so much sharper, apparently. I mean, I haven't been out there yet. You're just, I'm just going on what you guys tell me. The offense looks much more dynamic. Um, you got guys like Randall St. Felix saying, um, you know, it's not just hand signals, it's a playbook. Um, and also saying things like, yeah, it, the problem last year was it wasn't the plays. It was the guy calling the plays, uh, which n- no like RSF buddy salute, my man. That was that was some quote right there. Um, I think you said today you saw like, dude, uh, McLeod went down the like hit a guy down the seam. Right. For a big team. Yeah. Right. Montrez uh, Dukes uh, um, formerly, formerly kicked off now back on the team making plays. I was just going to say, Trey Dukes is back on the team. That's a plus. Um, there was a slant inside the red zone. Yeah, uh, Blake Barnett hit Eddie McDoom for a touchdown in the red zone drill. Um, and doom, I, doom, doom, doom. He needs a sound and, drop. We're going to need a McDoom sound drop. And, uh, 
I let it be known that USF threw three red zone touchdown passes in 2018 and none in the final 10 games. The last one was in the fourth quarter of the Illinois game, Blake Barnett to Darnell Solomon, who is no longer on the team. And for some reason has not found a team yet. He's still in the ether of the transfer portal, which is interesting. Um, Okay. There's a possibility that, you know, Trey Dukes wouldn't be the only guy who'd be eligible to come back. Um, Two other guys did come back. Jeremiah Stafford and Armand Williams are back with the team after initially being booted. On the, oh, I think it was the original list of 11. Is that correct? Or is it correct? 15? Yeah, it was something like that. Um, so, and we said at the time that all of those players, it was not for performance. All of them were removed from the team for a violation of school policy in one way or another. Um, so they have worked their way back onto the team if they are out there now, which is a good thing. Um, I, look, I haven't seen it yet, but here's what I find the most interesting. And I've you know, been pretty busy with work and stuff, um, and I've sort of tried to commit to at least getting down to watching all the basketball games right now. But that's about all the USF time I've been able to invest the last, you know, since, probably since we did the last podcast. Um, but from a, a football perspective, all of the media that I see, all of the things that are happening, they're all involved Kerwin Bell. So you don't always have a press conference for a new offensive coordinator where he's just up there by himself. USF did that. Not to introduce him, but to actually just like take questions from media. USF did that. Then they do the video where he's mic'd up at practice. That's not Charlie. That's Kerwin Bell. Uh, when you go to donor events at basketball games that they're trying to get people to renew season tickets, it's Kerwin Bell. So this is clearly the guy that is going to be the one that is more media forward on the staff as opposed to the head coach. And that seems like a deliberate decision, whether that decision is made by Charlie. And quite honestly, it very well might be made by Charlie because we know he does not love doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's not a big fan of, you know, you know, handshakes and smiles and hugs and, and, and being an out the, the face guy. And if that's a role that Kerwin wants to step up and take, um, I think that is a fine and welcome addition, but I just find it interesting that it seems like all of the momentum, it's not about the head coach, it's about the offensive coordinator. And I think that is a good thing. And I think that is smart PR by USF because, quite frankly, everybody knows what we thought of the last offensive coordinator. Oh, brother, do they. Mic drop. I feel like Corwin uh, Bell just kind of walked in and said, hey, I did this in like a week. So uh, what's that other guy up to? <laughs> Uh, the other guy's just uh, closing down pro day and having his best player actually do his pro day at Tulane instead. You got to be kidding. Uh-uh. He shut down pro day? Yep. Oh, my God. Distractions. <sighs> uh, distractions, or is it like there was a junior that had eligibility left and decided to leave early and then he wouldn't let him practice or something stupid like that? Uh, I, I believe this guy was a senior. Uh, his name's BJ Blunt. Like he is a linebacker, like he's very good, and probably McNeese's best player in a few years. And uh, their beat reporter was just astonished that he closed down pro day. I don't want to get into pro day there, uh, Nate. Um, but she, have we have we had a conversation with that beat reporter about what he's in for? Have we given him any? Do we give him any kind of heads up that like what's coming? Yeah, I, I told him uh, he we had a phone conversation after he was hired 
and uh, I was heavily quoted in a story and he got, <clears throat> apparently he got some shit from his bosses because um, we're just a fan site. Oh, that's what we are. Just fan site. We're just a fan website. God. We're a USF fan website. Blog. Just site. Fan site. Yeah. So, you know what? Whatever. I'm so glad he's gone. I think the players are too. And I think, uh, I think the, you know, the huge thing is Charlie Strong seems happier. Like it's, it's noticeable. Um, you know, there was that little gift that they sent out um, of Charlie doing, I don't even know what the dance is, but like the motor, I, I'm going to call it the motorcycle. Oh, the motorcycle. And, yeah. yeah. And it, um, he doesn't do that last year. Absolutely not. No chance in hell. Uh, he just, he seems more comfortable. He seems set in uh, the new staff that he brought in. I think he trusts them. I think, uh, you know, that Texas buyout money, I think kind of pigeonholed him into kind of keeping those guys around that he needed to because they were cheap. And then, you know, once everything went south, he was like, all right, well, hey, Michael, can you help me help Sterling find a new job? And, and I think and that's, what, that's what happened. You he'll know, take Maddox because they're attached at the hip. Like, I don't think we will ever be able to truly appreciate what an amazing thing. I mean, if Michael Kelly left tomorrow, his greatest contribution to this athletic department would probably be that he somehow pawned off that guy on another school and got paid for it. Like, I, I mean, I, that's just my mind just it, it's so galaxy brain. I can't even begin to explain it like that. Some chicanery. How did that even happen? Jedi magic, dude. Like, I mean, there's no other way to put it. That is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Like all anybody at McNeese had to do was like a Google search, a Twitter search, and the vitriol would have come screaming through. And yet somehow, some way, I mean, and this is just so destined for abject failure. Like, you know, there's no McNeese ain't winning anything anytime soon. It's just not absolutely no. I don't care how good his ties are to Texas. I don't care. Um, I don't care. He ain't went in there. You know, no. write this down. Write it down. Put it in cement. Hold me to it. He ain't went in there. Not a chance, brother. Um, so uh, prior to spring practice, uh, broke some news that Johnny Ford is now a slot wide receiver, and. Woo-hoo. Man, it's it looks fun. Uh, on Saturday, he broke off a jet sweep going right to left for a touchdown. And then today, he broke off a jet sweep going right to left uh, where he got lost in the minutia of bodies and wide receivers and exploded and broke through and was by himself 20 yards downfield. And uh, he kind of looked back at everyone like, Hey guys, I'm, I'm down here in the end zone. Why don't you come, come and hang out. I thought that was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Um, Jordan McLeod looks fantastic. Uh, but Johnny Ford, Eddie McDoom, 
in the slot are going to be game changers for this offense. It's almost like we're going to get the best players and put them in positions to win. It's almost what the plan seems to be here. I mean, it's really not that hard. It should have been done two years ago. Um, So here's the irony. We finally get the guy. And I don't think we're as talented as we were in, let's say, 2017. Was that our Mm -hmm. most talented team? Probably. Um, Probably. so, So we were not as talented as we were in 17 this year, but we still have a lot of talent. Um, that year we had a cupcake schedule until the last game and we made it this year. We're not as talented. We, I think we're going to be far, far better coached. Um, but the schedule is a hell of a lot tougher and I don't know how that's going to affect or play out. Um, you know, I've said USF is going to win at least nine and probably 10, 11 games the last couple of years because they're just not playing anybody. Well, this year they're playing people. Um, you know, Wisco, BYU, down the street, Navy. Navy's going to be good. I'm sorry. There's no way Navy's bad two years in a row. I don't believe it. It's just not possible. I, I think they're the chop block chip rule changes kind of affected them more so this year than previously. Um, I think taking a year uh, to figure that out will help. And uh, Coach Ken ain't playing around. Um, no. He was – I think in a story the other day, he was like, well, what are we doing here if we're not, if we're not trying to win at football? Um, Army did it. Army did everything they could to win at football. And we're just kind of at the wayside because, oh, well, Navy will just be good at football. So it doesn't really matter if we invest in them or not. Um, And he said, well, if we're going to do that, why don't we just leave the American and drop down to the Patriot League and play football there? If it doesn't matter, if we're not trying to win. It is crazy that who's the who's quarterback at Arizona, Coil Tate. Um, yeah, that he basically kind of blocked uh, Ken from going to Arizona, or at least whether that actually happened or not, it certainly publicly looked like that. And Ken was trying to get out, and then Ken last year goes what, what was Navy last year three and nine, four and eight somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere um, in there. Um, so he sort of blocked him from going to Arizona, and now he's stuck trying to like you know, get Navy to reinvest and rebuild in the program um, that he was, you know, probably not too far away from leaving um, before the 2017 season. So that's how fast these things can turn in college football. Sometimes it doesn't take much um, to change your destiny. And I just refuse to believe that a guy that's had that much success for that long is going to be able to stay down. And even if it means changing the offense slightly and, you know, forcing the the academy to commit in a different way, that guy's going to find a way to get it done. So we'll see, but they still scare me and it's on the road. Um, you know, <laughs> at least we don't get Houston this year, um, but every other way, like I, I, the schedule's just so much tougher. So we've got better talent and better or good talent, better coaching, but it's still going to be really rough. And by the way, you're putting all this new, these hundred new plays of this offense are all going in. And, and the first game you get um, Wisconsin without Alex Hornibrook, but you still get Wisconsin. Well, it's kind of a sneaky, weird schedule because it almost plays out to your favor. And I'm, I'm yes. not sure how we want to delve into this, but you look at Wisconsin, who has now a new starting quarterback. They're replacing four or five offensive linemen, both linebackers, a lot of their secondary. 
And if you have a brand new offense, you're starting game one. That means Wisconsin doesn't have tape on it. And, you know, maybe they look at Valdosta. I'm not saying that everyone should get excited because I still think there's going to be growing pains and they still have Jamar Taylor or their running back. Um, So that's a lot to contend with. And we remember the Wisconsin game when we played up in their place and Melvin Gordon ripped us apart. But, you know, you you see them in it, you know, in that situation, it's not as senior laden as you think. Georgia Tech is completely tearing it down to the studs under Jeff Collins in theory. That's game two. And then, you know, in the entire month of November, you're in the state of Florida, which last year being in the cold kind of killed them outside of everything else. But right. I mean, BYU is going to be tough, but it's almost like the schedule plays out nicely. If you can get some momentum, you never know what can possibly happen. Yeah, I mean, I think I had, um, I think I brought it up that you know, no quarterback with uh, Wisconsin starting, he's gone. Uh, Georgia Tech, I believe, has a just a brand new fit. Uh, FCS team week three, uh, I think what week four is UConn or Tulsa or something. It goes um, uh, smooth, uh, smooth UConn then BYU. So SMU and UConn are both breaking in new quarterbacks and UConn's trash as shit anyway. So it doesn't really matter. There's, there's room to, you know, we could be, you know, five and oh, heading into the tougher part of the schedule in a blink of an eye. Um, we could also be two and three or three and two and staring at a eight game losing streak heading into South Carolina state. Yeah. This, this one's tough. This is a tough year. And, you know, the, the inherent advantage that you have of being able to recruit Florida talent and play in this league where you should be able to at least finish, you know, five and three, six and two in the league should be the floor for this team perennially. Um, this year is going to be a little bit tougher. And just because of the way the conference schedule breaks into two, you know, pretty tough non-conference games, you get them both at home, which is nice. Um, you know, the thing that excites me is that, you know, if we can, have a really good year this year. Like the 20 schedule is just so much more challenging, so much more interesting. And with the exception of Barnett, you know, most of your key guys are going to come back. And I feel like this could be a real, you know, if you, even if you come out of the gate, not great, if you start to build during the year, that might be able to carry you some momentum forward to 20. And that could be really great. Okay. Um, So we've got, We've got some running back competition uh, for the backup spot, basically, with Jordan Cronkite out. Who's going to step up? Uh, he's out for the spring after having surgery uh, a couple weeks before spring practice got underway. Um, Kerwin Bell, new offense coordinator, said, you know, Trevon Sands looked good. He's looked tough. I'm going to butcher this poor man's name, but he's uh, he's a walk-on. His last name's Siriki Odunyeo Siriki from Apopka. O D U N A Y O. It's from Apopka. Uh, he's listed at 5'10, 170. Um, he, look, he looks a little bigger. Uh, he looks a little bigger than 170 for sure. Um, it was told legit 4'3 speed, and he's gotten a lot of touches uh, early on in the spring um, and he's looked good. Um, I saw a couple plays today that, you know, took around the edge and got five, six yards on it, which was impressive for a, he's a walk on. 
So it was good to see. Um, also, Juwan Cherry uh, was a safety. He's a redshirt freshman. He's also over at running back now, and he's getting some run. He got some first-team reps today. Um, so it's going to be an interesting uh, battle to see, okay, behind Kronk and whenever Ford spells him a little bit in the backfield, who's that third guy or second guy in the lineup? And um, we've seen a lot of empty backfield sets um, where the running backs will be motioned out and they'll go five wide. Um, I've seen them come in from five wide to, you know, your normal 10 or 11 personnel and run some fake jet sweep action. And the offense is going to be a lot of fun. I've I've seen more things in the two practices uh, in the last four days than I did in two years under Sterling Gilbert. And that sounds about right. Um, so let me ask you this. If you're seeing all of this, you know, multiple formations and empty and speed and space and, you know, all the stuff we've been saying we should have been for the last two years. Um, what Barnett, does this system fit what he wants to do as a bigger kid, big hose, um, but not maybe not as mobile? Um, how comfortable does he look trying to operate this thing? Uh, pretty good. Kerwin did mention that he just wants to quiet his feet down in the pocket, meaning he's, you know, he's got some happy feet and kind of escapes early and you can't really blame him after the beating he took last year. <laughs> I was just going to say, dude, I'd have, I'd be having nightmares, like, you know, just cold sweats in the middle of the night, like thinking he's, about the blind side. Yeah. He's just got to, he has to trust his, uh, trust that his offensive line is going to protect him And, uh, he, It'll, it'll come eventually. Um, you know, he's, he's been in five different offenses in his career. Um, and yeah, but the the, the last one sucked. (laughs) Yeah. So that kind of set him back. So (laughs) set him back two years. Yeah. Right. Um, so he's kind of been under the, under the fire and, uh, you know, Along those lines, Marcus Norman was telling us today he's a redshirt senior. Um, he's had four offensive line coaches. And I was literally just thinking, like, is offensive line like the defensive against the dark arts like position at Hogwarts? Like, no one stays more than a year. Like, the, the position is cursed. Uh, Danny Hope. Yeah. Maddox. Um, Oh God, the guy that's at Indiana now with Tom Allen. I really liked him. Hiller, Darren Hiller. I think he was uh, here yeah. for years. Um, the guy from, yeah, I mean, it's just been, since I've been covering the team, they've had three, I think. Um, that's bad. And it, it also, but, you know, let's not pay the players because, you know, or not let them transfer freely because, you know, they're there to get an education from whomever just happens to be passing through that season. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there's been a lot of turnover in this program. There's going to continue to be a lot of turnover in this program as long as it's in the AAC. Um, this is not a destination job. None of the jobs in this league are. Um, if you have success, you will um, leave. And if you fail, they will fire you. And that's pretty much going to be the pattern. So this is probably going to be something going forward. But even by that ridiculous standard, 
um, having four offensive coordinators or offensive line coaches in four years seems a little crazy. And especially when they're, we're going to ask these kids, I assume we're going to ask these kids to get a little bit lighter and a little bit more nimble than they were last year as we're asking them last year to just like inhale, like whole chickens and cows to try and put weight on and eat milkshakes five times a day. Um, are we trying to trim these guys down a little bit so they can, you know, maybe zone block a little bit more? Um, you, you know, not sure yet uh, what they're trying to do. I do know that Billy Atterbury is cross-training at left tackle. Okay. So there's still – so there's five guys. Um, him and Donovan uh, Jennings are both cross-training at guard and tackle. Uh, so I think they're still trying to figure out their fit. But, you know, Marcus Norman and Brad Cecil, I think uh, Demetrius Harris are kind of entrenched there. And then there's also Jared Hopel, the Virginia Tech transfer and a couple of redshirt freshmen and sophomores who haven't seen the field uh, yet that uh, could be in the mix. Um, no, G. Marcellus is now the second team center. Uh, Michael Wiggs is third team. There, wow. There's still some, there's still some question marks. Uh, you know, you, you want, you typically want seven to eight offensive linemen that you feel comfortable playing like the swing men, as they say. Um, I think they're still trying to figure out who those seven to eight guys are. Um, and you asked me earlier about Blake, is he, you know, run the same offense or can he run the offense? Um, his numbers were, I mean, they, they weren't as good as Robin Wells, who was the quarterback for, uh, Valdosta state last year. Uh, Rogan ran for 732 yards, uh, on 136 carries for 11 touchdowns. Um, Blake gained 467 yards and lost 166 on sacks and whatever, but he did have eight touchdowns. So it's similar enough. Um, I think play can get the ball downfield. Kerwin did say that they're kind of, they're different players, but both can be effective in the system. Um, And then Kerwin did mention how how well Jordan McLeod has uh, progressed already. Um, I think we kind of knew he was going to be the number two heading into spring. Uh, he was the he was the one between him and Octavius Battle who traveled on road games when Blake was yeah. hurt. Right. That was kind of that was your clue there, and he's kind of just picked it up where he left off. And it looks like the Battle Hive might be um, getting fumigated here soon. Unfortunately, that is uh, very unfortunate because that you know I mean. How many sports center clips do you get just on that kid's name alone? Um, I am excited to see what these kids can do. I feel like they've been cut loose and there's a little bit more energy around the program. At least there is on Twitter. Um, I really kind of want to get out there and go see this. Do you think they show in the spring a lot of what they want to do? Or are they going to vanilla this thing up so they don't put anything on film? Um, it's going to be interesting because you still, I mean, you still need to, do some stuff and we were only getting the last 15, 20 minutes of practice anyway. Right. Um, the big test will be April 6th at CCC. It's an open practice for pretty much everyone. And then also the spring game. So are they going to waste two of their 15 practices being vanilla? It's debatable. I, I don't know if that's the height of efficiency for the staff trying to implement a new offense and get everyone down. Uh, you know, have it crisp, but if, if they like the way they're progressing, 
they might kind of vanilla it up, but I think you're going to see some, some razzle dazzle. Interesting. I want to see how many people show up to see this new offense. Um, I really, really want to see it. So I, it's the rare thing outside of the ball season where I would really go out of my way to go see um, what we're putting in here. So we'll see. The entire, I mean, half of the coaching staff is new. And I think that influx of new blood is what this program needed. And I'm excited uh, from all indications, uh, cornerback DB coach Steve Ellis is um, the exact opposite of Blue Adams, uh, meaning he will <laughs> not try to fight a player. I was just going to say, is it is it personality disposition or does he not try and drop guys on the sideline? <laughs> Both. Um <laughs> You know, blue would, you know, punch a motherfucker. Just, That's what he'd do. Yeah. He'd punch a motherfucker. Yeah. He would also uh, just crush his uh, players during the media sessions that he had. Yep. Um, so there's that. Um, I think really the only time that ever worked for Blue Adams was for Mazzy Wilkins. That's literally the only time it, that being such. Uh, you know, hard ass worked. But other than that, I think the players kind of started to resent them um, clearly since he did not coach in the bowl game and David Cogdale did not coach in the bowl game. So there's a lot of turnover. Um, there's more juice. There's just so much more juice now. Um, USF football put out a video with uh, Steve Ellis and you can just see um, you can kind of just tell what kind of person he is and, uh, it's something sorely missed, um, last couple of years. Um, so. we got the right people and that's fantastic and wonderful. And sometimes you need somebody to help open your eyes. Uh, I don't know how much, uh, Mr. Kelly was part of this process. I think he would, he certainly had something to do with these new guys coming in. Um, but I, you got to give credit to Charlie too, for being willing to, get out there and make changes and realize what's not working and not be afraid to spin the dial a little bit. And so that's going to be a good thing. Um, but until we get them out, the, that's the thing is, you know, we can sit here all spring and all summer and talk about how excited we are and how great it looks. And this is going to be wonderful and the new attitude. And these guys really love each other more and blah, 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 blah. And you know what? It's all bullshit until you go hit somebody in the mouth on October, is it August 31st, I think. 30th. Um, 30th. Yeah. So that's right. Cause we play Friday night. Um, you know, until you go hit somebody, it doesn't mean damn thing. And, um, this is all, you know, kumbaya and speculation. We'll make informed predictions before the season starts, but until then, you know, position changes are interesting. Um, ways that guys are going to score are interesting. The spring game will be interesting, but there's just not a lot to necessarily talk about until they start hitting other guys. Or Absolutely. if we get somebody in the and if we get somebody in the transfer portal too, like remember that thing's not closed. We got scholarships, but plenty of good scholarships available here at the University of South Florida still. Um, so if they land one or two guys, uh, that might be an impact guy as like a a graduate transfer or something like that. That might be a, a good fit for this program as well. Yes, sir. Um, let's and Nick kind of answered on Twitter about uniforms. Uh, we're not going to know anything until the summer. Um, I know that they will not, they will be better than last year. 
and I will stake my reputation on that. Last year, there was a design slash implementation problem process. Hashtag the process was bad. You can blame your general counsel's office for signing off on the deal very, very late with Adidas. Um, and then you can blame Adidas for kind of being a little bit slow themselves. It was like a combination of a whole bunch of stuff that really went wrong that has been apparently rectified. And going forward, we will not have this issue. So there, good. there it is. Um, let's let's hit into let's go women's basketball first since some uh, their season right. has ended. Um, but women's basketball, what I, I can't say enough about this team. Uh, we, I mean, we've said it pretty much all year, especially since Kit, Laura, Beatrice, um, you, me and everyone else uh, got hurt for the season. They had people in the concession stands go out with ACL injuries. Like it was insane. Um, you know, Jose won coach of the year. Finally, two years ago now, I guess, and two seasons ago, um, that was, but he deserved it for this year. This was, it was really special to see what this team did and not give up and just continue to play as hard as they possibly could in, in places. It, if they had packed it in, no one would have blamed them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was just bullshit. We're not doing that. We're going to play as hard as we can with whatever we got. We're going to buy in. We're going to do whatever we can. We're going to give 100% every single night. Um, yeah, you know, Anna Pedhodzik playing 40 minutes a night. If you had told Jose that, you know, after her first after her freshman season, that Anna was going to be out there 40 minutes a night, he'd have been, you know, and, and that's no knock on Anna. She's a really fine player and a great kid, apparently. But he'd have been crying in the corner about what his team would have would have become of this team. And she did that, basically carried the team all the way down the stretch. Um, you know, the, the minutes that they got from every single person, you know, Pinzon got better. Septa literally gets off the plane, shows up. <laughs> yep. He starts playing, looks completely lost like her left hand and her right foot have never even been within two miles of each other in her life when she gets off the plane. Um, and by the end of the season, she's a contributing legitimate player and you can see the upside and the potential of what she could become. Uh, the good news is, is that all of these kids and they are all kids. Cause I don't, I think except for who doesn't come back next year. Uh, all the people that uh, kids up in the air. She has. Well, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get the kid, but like of everybody, but Ferreira, she was out for the year anyway. Go on. Um, it's just those two. There's no other and, seniors, and there's no other seniors. Right. So all of these kids got all of these minutes this year, and it, you know, Kit's got about a week to make the decision before the WNBA draft. I guess, I and mean, maybe maybe not not even a week at this point. Four days. Uh, she has to dis- declare ten days before the draft. The draft is April tenth. So she pretty much has four days. So if she decides to stay with all of these kids, and, and let's assume she also gets healthy, um, and all of these kids come back with all of the experience and the minutes they got this year, yeah, I mean, it is a top ten team next year. And I'm, I'm, you know, this is this will be Jose's best team. And it sucks to lose Laura because man, that girl could do everything. And she was here for approximately 14 seasons and did everything that she could in every way that she could um, 
contributed as a every I've seen her play everything from one to five. And I've seen her be a three point shooter and I've seen her be an aggressive rebounder and I've seen her do everything. So it sucks to lose her. Um, but you make up for it with so much other talent. Sydney Harvey's going to be a stud. And they have really found some players that can get them. And now they've got experience to go with it. It's going to be Jose's best team next year. And guess what? UConn, they're not great right now. Lou gone. Feast gone. I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there. I, I, I know they, I know Jose or uh, Gino's got this kid from Georgia that's supposed to be like ungodly good. But I'm just saying if they're ever going to get him, it'll be next year. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. UConn is not what UConn was. And there's a reason they were a two seed this year, folks. There's a reason they were a two seed. No, and it wasn't just injuries. And, you know, Azura Stevens was supposed to come back. She left after her sophomore year. She graduated. She graduated after her sophomore year. And she was supposed to be on this year's team and next year's team and be like that stud player. She left, you know, and, and you lose Feast and Lou. And, and they're going to be um, down. And we're going to be good. So I'm just saying, if Kit comes back, they're going to play him three times. I think they get him once. Yeah. Going on the record. They're going to get him. Ooh, I don't know about that. No, oh, I think yeah. going on the record. I'm going on the record. If Kit comes back um, and everything else holds copacetic and nothing strange or out of the ordinary or, you know, something super weird happens. Um, yeah, I think they'll get him three times next year and they're going to beat him one, at least once. I mean... USF was in both games uh, prior to the the semifinals where they just ran out of gas. I mean, they were in, I think they were down by what eight or ten in the first game, and then they were leading by five in the second game. Yeah. And this team, never, as long as I've been watching this, and I've been of the you know probably thirty games at this point we've played against UConn, I've probably been at between being in Connecticut and down here twenty some of them maybe. Uh, maybe that maybe that high that was as close as it gets and if i mean if kit plays that game usf doesn't just beat uconn they smash them in the bits um they, they whoa, whoa. so lou didn't play that game maybe she yeah, does lou did if, not play yeah if lou did not play that game but guess what lou's gone anyway she's senior so <laughs> you know like they got this like this is going to be the year and if, if kit comes back they are a top 10 type of team and they're the type of team that can beat UConn. And finally, UConn's going to lose a game in the league because they haven't done that yet. Yeah. Uh, just real quick. If you guys haven't checked it out, uh, Chris Torello of Spectrum Sports had a nice piece about uh, Sidney Harvey that came out yesterday that he, he sent the link out on his Twitter. Um, check that out. It was really good. Um, love Chris. It was a good, it was a great piece. He's, he does some good work there. Um, yeah, I mean, this team is – they were super young. Uh, Shefty is supposed to kind of step – is supposed to step into Laura's role as the as the primary defender. If she can find her shot with a full season um, under her belt, please, yes, please. I think Alyssa – I mean, Alyssa Rader missed, what, five games because of a concussion. Uh, Sydney missed three because of a concussion. Uh, Penzan missed a month early in the year. This team, it was just so beat up and they still managed to win 19 games and they still managed to win two games in the conference tournament, win a game in the NIT 
And then they, I mean, in the NIT, they went up against a team that shouldn't have been in the NIT. That was a tournament team. James Madison, yeah. uh, I, they went like 26 and five, undefeated in conference. Their best player missed their last two games and they got bounced in the first round of their tournament. Um, absolutely no reason why that shouldn't have been a tournament team. But you know, uh, yeah, it is. They're, they're, they play in the A10. That's why they were, you know, or, they, or they're colonial. They're in the colonial. They're colonial. Yeah, like that's why they'd make because the women's tournament. I mean, the seeds in the women's tournament this year were so awful, like so bad. UCF, like, look, I do not like them, and it is trash zone. But they won like what 23, 24 games and ended up as a nine. Like, come on, man, <laughs> that's that's crazy. Like they were they were better than that. Now they're going to be bad next year because they graduated. I think seven kids. Um, but I mean, they're still playing trash zone. They're still playing trash zone, and I hate them and despise them. But they deserve a better seed than what they got. That was that was pretty horrible. Yeah, hey, I, have, I have a big question before we wrap this one up. Hard hitting one. All right, Nathan. Yep. Alyssa Raider, Tamara Henshaw. Who you got? Oh, Raider all day, bro. I mean, Tamara uh, did average. Eight points and ten point three rebounds in conference play, but that means nothing. That means nothing. Yeah, no. that means something. Um, I. It depends on who I'm playing. If I need somebody who can face up and and like those stretch five, I want Raider. If I need somebody to bang on the glass um, and annoy a post player, I want Henshaw. Matchup dependent. Um, I, I think so. Shea Leverett. <laughs> Okay, that's that girl made the leap this year. That all of those extra minutes probably helped her more than any other player. Yeah. Um. Anytime she blocks someone, she says, "Get that shit out of here," and I love it. <laughs> all she has to do is the finger wag, the, the Matumbo finger wag. Uh, Shay has that that extra spice that you need from a like a center, and I I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I think her, Beatrice, Alyssa, and Tamara next year are. Ooh. It's that Ooh. that front court is ridiculous. Come back, kid. Just come back. I agree, brother. I agree. Um, men's basketball. I'm so excited. Woo! They're now 25. Now 25. 26? 26 25. in the first round? 25. Okay. Now 25 in the first round. And you're playing in the CBI. And you're down 25. You know how easy it is to just go, eh, you know what? Good run. We had a good season. We're going to be a lot better next year. We know we're going to be better next year. I'm tired. You know, I'm kind of worn out. Nobody's we, here. Nobody's here. Let's just let this one go. And it's all good. You know, we'll be better next year. All these guys are coming back except for TJ. It's fine. We're going to be really good next year. Let's let's take a break. Let's get in the lab and let's get ready for next season. Would have been totally easy to do that. But what do they do? They come all the way back from down 25, win an OT. Um, and then ironically, it cost the program money because it was the 20th win of the season. And Brian Gregory had a clause in his contract. If he won 20 games, he gets an extra 20 grand. <laughs> Count it. Count it in the foul. But earned. Um, I. I didn't know if I would ever go out of my way again to care about the men's program 
like I did when I was an undergrad and like I did for the, for that team, the 2011, 2012 team, that was just, even them, they were painful to watch sometimes. Like the beginning of the season, I was going to those games at the, at the, at Amelie and just going, man, this team's tough to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going, but you know, it was sometimes tough to watch. Um, now like I, I can't wait for basketball next year. Like I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get, you know, 30 nights to get from South Tampa up to North Tampa to go to all the men's and women's games next year. Like it's going to be, can't miss, you know, get one of those. I I don't know if they do it like they do it at Ray J where you can get a suite and you can get it for all of the events that are at Ray J concerts, football games, whatever else is there. Um, Mm -hmm. But if those suites are available for, for the sun dome for basketball next year, um, that's going to be the best bargain in town because that's going to be two amazingly fun and awesome programs to watch uh, in 2019 and 2020. Yep. Uh, you know, there was some concern of even doing this, going and playing in the CBI just because of how bad they looked the last month and a half of the season. They were dead. Their legs were dead. I mean, uh, that comeback uh, versus Stony Brook was I think that was the shot in the arm they needed because they kind of rolled Utah Valley in the next game. Um, I mean, David Collins has played out of his mind these last two games. Uh, He set a career high in points with 31 and steals with seven against Stony Brook. And then kind of he carried that over against Utah Valley. Uh, I think he had five steals in the first half against Utah Valley to kind of set the pace. Um, I mean, this team, this team is awesome. Uh, by the time you people hear this, uh, they will be facing Loyola Marymount uh, tonight, Thursday at 7 p.m. inside the Ling. Uh, get out there. Uh, if you can't make it, it's on Bulls Vision and then radio, uh, USF Radio Network, 820 a.m. or the iHeartRadio app. Bulls are, a, Bulls are a four and a half point favorite. Uh against Loyola Marymount, who, if you don't know where that is, it's in Los Angeles. It's the second most beautiful campus I've ever seen. Um, number one is uh, up the street a little bit at Pepperdine. Um, but it's really like an amazingly gorgeous, beautiful place. Um, but they're coming from L.A. all the way over here. Uh, I'm going to assume the CBI isn't paying for charter travel. So they're probably flying commercial all the way across the country. They probably got in while we're taping this podcast. Um, and then they got to play a game you know, with the jet lag and everything going west to east. I kind of like USF's chances playing at home to to get through this one. And, you know, do you know who will face in the final? Either DePaul or Coastal Carolina. It's DePaul. They won. They won. Oh, tonight. DePaul did win? Yeah. Well, there you go. Sorry, Chanticleers. Um, so who would host game one? And then I'm going to assume it is not a home, home, home. I'm assuming it, or it's a one, me. two. It's a one, two, right? So I would assume the one is going to be here and the two is in Chicago. That'd be terrible. You think the one should be in Chicago and the two here? Yeah. Would Would you rather be in Chicago in March or oh, Tampa no, in March? No arguments there. I'm just saying it, this is about how many tickets you can sell. Um, um, couldn't you get people from Chicago to come to Tampa in March, April? I don't think anybody's traveling for the CBI coach. Uh, I mean, so, you know, I mean, so a couple of psychos like me, I, I mean, I might consider doing it, but I don't think a lot of people are traveling for the CBI. 
So you're you're competing against the opening week of baseball if you go to Chicago. In Tampa, you're not competing against that. Okay. Um, by the way, RIP to former USF coach Rod Strickland, maybe DePaul's best ever player. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where they'd stick it. I'm sure they have already decided this a long time ago, and we just don't know the answer. Um, but, it, man, it would be fun. Like, a game three to win a tournament? That'd be nice. It'd yeah. be nice. It would Good be really choice. nice. And and these kids just continue to get more burn and get better, um, play together more. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's great. Um, this is this is money very, very, very well spent by the university. I don't know if they've recovered all of it. I believe the entry fee was 40. 40K. Um, then, you know, BG hits his bonus, which he completely deserves. I don't know if you're dragging um, 60K worth of ticket revenue, even when you throw in the concessions and everything. Uh, <laughs> in a, even if you posted the maximum, which would be how many game is, games is that hosted? Four. Four or oh, five, right? Four. Oh, that's right. right? Played one oh, wait, no. Uh, well, if it depends on if two. we're the two. If we play two in the final, it would be yeah. five. Okay. If, we, if we're the one, it's four. I don't know if you're necessarily making financially with what it costs, um, but this is money well spent and invested because you're playing in a one-off tournament, and you hope to be playing in a much more important one-off tournament next year, and the experience that you're getting your student-athletes at this point is really helpful. Also, we talk about how weird it is to have a series. Like, there's no nowhere in college basketball do you play a three game series right, against this is anyone. It. That like changes the game a little bit because you can't game one. You can surprise people, but then you have to start figuring how to game plan for a three game series. It's so weird. I blew wow. my mind when I saw that. that. I'm more interested in that aspect of it than anything else. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool to talk to BG about game planning for you know three instead of. Uh, just one, and then you're moving on to lane. Right. Yeah, super cool. Very exciting. All right, let's turn this up. So, process to find Stephen Carell. And is it, I, I'm still not not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I don't know if anybody's pronounced it right, correctly yet. Um, Carell, isn't it? Carell, Carell, I'm not sure. Not the guy from the office, but yeah. Um, So definitely a process that as the um, Tampa Bay Times reporter, Megan Reeves, who did a terrific job covering this story, um, pointed out this process was definitely not within the confines of the law. Um, It was secretive in places there were supposed to be sunshine. Again, Florida's super, super aggressive sunshine laws um, are great for hacks like us when we're trying to get information about things happening, but they can make it really, really tough to find talented people for executive positions because your current employer doesn't necessarily want everybody to know that you're searching for a new employer. So these things having to be so public can make it a real challenge um, on these committees. But the, the rules and the laws are still there. So did USF break and break those rules and laws? I don't think that's even a question. Like that definitely happened. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Say, go ahead. Mm-hmm, girl. Oh, you agree? Okay. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So that definitely happened. But on the other hand, I also understand why it happened, and I'm kind of okay with it. Um, you're just All not right. going to be able to find talent if you 
you know, have to do these, you know, super duper open public searches um, where people can pick through. So, uh, you know, I, okay. I disagree there. Um, okay. Andy, Andy Taylor six brought up a great point uh, during uh, the aftermath of this. Um, and he works, he works in, you know, public affairs and he is public. the, uh, he works for a public uh, Pasco County commissioner as his like legislative aide. but yeah, go ahead. Correct. Um, you know, he, he said, if these guys can't handle the sunshine laws while we're, uh, vetting them and trying to figure out who we want to hire, how are they going to do it uh, when they get the job? And if they can't handle it now, why do we want them? So you the okay. So you're talking about the candidates. I don't have a problem with the candidates, the way that they handled these things. Um, I had more of an issue with the committees involved, which is the committee, the search committee and the board of trustees. Um, those were the places where I thought we um, crossed the line in terms of secrecy and, you know, not being uh, sunshine accountable. But again, I also understand why that, why that happened. Um, you know, I, I'm going to be a little more forgiving here to those people. Um, but it's certainly something that USF probably needs to look at going forward. Um, remember this is the same university that tells us Judy Genshaft has never sent a text message. That's relatable. That has anything to do with university business or has ever sent an email um, sent to university business, except when they're telling stories about um, the campus over in St. Pete and the chancellor in St. Pete, she fired talking about all the text messages she received from Judy Genshaft. So, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this is, this is what USF does. Um, it is not necessarily in compliance. It hasn't been for a long time. Uh, a lawyer with more time, money, energy, and a desire to hold you know, a public institution accountable could probably do something about that. Uh, I, that person is not on this podcast. So um, having said that, the guy that we got and, and the candidate, you can argue about the quality of the candidates. Um, none of them had ever been a president before. Um, not even a, like a smaller tier research university. These were all provosts and vice presidents from from good institutions. Um, two from Rutgers, one from uh, uh, SMU, who we hired, and one from Ole Miss, who was dismissed. Um, although apparently he was dismissed in for being like a good guy. At a progressive doesn't yeah. have a lot of good people. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was on the he was on the the right side of history, if you will, and not like leaning right, like the like the correct side. Correct side of history. Yeah, I mean, like they basically fired him because he wanted to get rid of the rebel flag and change some of the traditions around a school that has a long, long history of institutional racism. Um, so, I. And here's the thing like on this kind of stuff, like when we're going through athletic director hires and people call me and ask me, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I have opinions because if I don't know that person, I very likely know somebody who does or somebody who's worked with them. Or I can make a phone call and see, oh, you know, this person that I've known, you know, just through college athletic stuff, know something about this person. Or, hey, can you tell me about the X, Y, Z? So I can I can sort of like feel around that and, and figure that out. When it comes to football coaches, same thing. Basketball coaches, sometimes same thing. Um, when it comes to uh, this for university presidents, I got nothing. You know, unless you are somebody who attended SMU or worked at SMU, 
um, in some administrative capacity, not necessarily a sports capacity. I don't really know what we're getting. Looks like the guy can raise some money. That seemed to be the thing that that Wes Moomin and the committee really wanted is the ability to raise money. Now, USF claims they've raised a billion dollars under Judy Genshaft. Um, this is where we, the you know, the negative Nancys that we are, point out that 250 some million dollars of that is one single software program that's not cash. And that another uh, I mean, I can't even imagine what the percentage is because I don't know it. Um, is life insurance policies. It's not a lot of cash in the door. It's a lot of people are going to die someday and we're going to get that money. Um, and right now we're borrowing it against it to build stuff. So they need to get somebody in here who can raise some money and increase the size of the endowment of the university, which has gone up somewhat under President Genshaf, but hasn't really exploded yet either. To be fair, we are way, way ahead in terms of development and fundraising of our peers up the street. So... Just keep that in mind. Like, you know, we're our endowments more than double what UCF's is, and we're about the same age. So there you go. Um. So yeah, I we're gonna see the. I I hope this president comes in and changes the campus culture. The, you know, I think there's changing the campus culture and fundraising are the two things that I think from those of us on the outside, from the non-academic side, really care about. Um, we need somebody who's going to come in here and galvanize students, make, make athletics more relevant to the student experience, um, make the campus experience more engaging, um, for those that are here now, you know, you, you, you build your fan base and you build your love for the institution class by class by class and not letting athletics get up at, you know, mandatory orientation sessions and make presentations that they want to make is inexcusable and can't happen. The fact that Vito is running around during football games, producing plays that, that are on campus at the same time as the football game can't happen because campus has to shut down for that. Finding ways to make the student experience mean more, opening up the dorm so that we can do rush week earlier. So we're not having kids miss the Wisconsin game. Like a Wisconsin game should be the number one targeted event for all incoming students at the university. Is this guy going to make that a priority? Or is he going to change the culture that way? I Just too soon to tell. I don't know. So we'll all find out together. Absolutely. And it's uh, tough to tell what his athletics background is. Um, but I think for us, we just need something more than a photo op. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Judy did a lot of good things. Um, we're, you know, the prim, even though nobody knows what preeminent means outside the state of Florida, and we're splashing that damn word everywhere, even though it's completely irrelevant to a ton of the university and the, and the new university branding sucks. Um, she did get us that status. Um, she did raise some money. She raised the academic profile of the university. Um, she did some good things. I think it is a probably healthy for the institution for a fresh set of eyes to come in. And there are a lot of people that Nate and I won't name publicly outside. Of, and we're not talking in athletics. We're talking outside of athletics that we've had to deal with on stuff over the years that just absolutely suck. And it's probably time for a lot of them to go. And hopefully a new president will be able to begin that process. Yep. The new 
AAC meteorites deal. Uh, it yep. was was announced this week, um, or it was announced today uh, formally uh, last week. Sports Business Journal uh, had it at a uh, 12-year deal worth roughly a billion dollars. And I think that's the, the number that everyone wants to throw around. Um, billion dollars. One billion dollars. Congrats for getting the B in there. Congrats. Oh, I am on brand, Mr. Oresco. I got the B in. Yes. Uh, so, all right. I was hoping for eight. They got seven. This six, nine, four. See, okay, but but does that also see? Here's the thing: the six nine four. Does that include the fact that Wichita State gets a far smaller share because they don't have football, and that Navy gets a smaller share because they have their already separate deal for the Army Navy and the uh, Navy Air Force game, um, which is sort of paid out separately, as well as. So I was I was no told. Um, Navy, uh, the conference got Navy's uh, right, the rights to the Navy Notre Dame game, but they didn't get Army Navy. Uh, I don't believe so. I think that's still going to be NBC. Right. So they're going to get Navy Notre Dame every three years. I think it is because I think they do one in South Bend, then like one neutral, like they were in San Diego last year, which I think was technically like Navy's home game. Yeah. You know so I, mean? I, I think they're going to Ireland this year. So I, yeah, I, I, like, I want to. Say- from what I was told uh, today, uh, the conference gets that. Oh, they, they do get, get that. I believe so. But don't. Okay. Don't, so we're not going to be able to FOIA the contract. So there's no way to really find out. We're just kind of like oh, trust oh. it and get through back channels. So is that, are they de- declaring that we're not getting that under trade secret? Is that what they're saying? Uh, I brought it up today and uh because USF didn't sign the contract, it's not it's not technically their contract to give away. If that okay. makes any sense, that's that's what that's how I perceived um, the comments made to me. It's like if you gave me something, but I, I can't give it to someone else because it's not mine to give away. Okay, but here's the thing: it it's uh, an agreement that the university signed as a public institution. Um, Unless they want to put it under trade secret, because there is like a trade secret exception to the Sunshine Worlds. But like, I don't know how being in a conference and how much money you get paid for being in that conference could be considered a trade secret. Um, there's probably a way. It's gonna leak. The deal's gonna leak eventually. Somebody's gonna find it. Hopefully, it's us. But somebody's gonna find the thing at some point. I just and nobody asked this question at the press conference today, and I had to. I was like half paying attention on Twitter because I was actually working. Um, is there an out clause? Nobody has been able to answer this question for me. Um, I was, I was asked that I asked that as well. And, uh, apparently Oresco and whatever the dude, um, Magnus, mm-hmm. um, said that there was no need for an out clause because of the relationship that they have with each other. Okay. Kumbaya boys, but that's not Ooh, how the what works. now? Kumbaya. I said Kumbaya. No, not you. I'm saying what what is that response? Yeah. Our relationship is great. Our relationship is great. Well, guess what? If Netflix is throwing the Sunbelt Conference, you know, $20 million a school because they're so desperate for sports programming in 2026, you're damn well going to want an out clause. You know, like that's insane that they would just. 
in this media environment where everything is so fluid, like, and I'm fine with it being like a two way arrangement where like, you know, if we want to get out, we have to pay some sort of penalty. And then if ESPN wants to get out in like 2026, that they got to pay us some kind of money, whatever it is, I'm fine with it. But like tying up the rights for 12 years in a, a media environment where nobody knows what's going to happen and everything is so fluid seems freaking insane to me. Sidebar, though, uh, Apple doing their whole Apple Plus and not really even attempting to add any sports content is uh, interesting in the way that maybe it's not going towards Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, the way that we all kind of thought, or at least they're not grabbing now or attempting to. It it might be too early. And and I'm with you, Vito, because, like, it doesn't seem like it's heading that way as fast as we thought it would. But, like... If you had told me that YouTube was where I was going to buy my cable five years ago, I'd have laughed at you. You know, and and I have, I mean, I have DirecTV now. You know, I don't have regular cable. I have, you know, over the internet. So, like, how, where this is going, nobody knows. And to lock in twelve years when you just get out of maybe the long-term worst media deal in sports, and now you're locking everything up like this. I have reservations is all I'm saying. I, I, I'm a bit concerned that there is no way to get out of this deal when the rights fees might – and they might go the other way too. I mean they, you know, the, the market for our product might fall through the floor. So that's why I'm fine with like an out clause but like with a penalty. But to just not – to lock in for so long with like this seems crazy to me. Yep. Um, I want to touch on this question uh, that we got from Jay Applefield five. Uh, will the new AAC media deal mean there will be less streaming of baseball and softball games on YouTube and Bulls vision? Yes. Uh, all of those games will be on ESPN plus, which is fantastic because they'll do baseball, softball, soccer. Um in a host of other sports, I believe, uh, championship sports as well. Um, it, it'll all be under a, a neat ESPN plus, uh, you know, production graphics, all of that, but it'll still be run by the, the people at Bulls vision, but pretty much every single game will now be streamed live via ESPN plus. Um, I think it's interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if you tweeted it or Joey did or somebody uh, who was on the conference call. It'll all be branded under American Digital Network. So yes. it's not like you're sequestered to whatever side ESPN Plus thing. I know it's not huge, but before the ACC got, is getting their, their own channel, their own network, everything was branded under ACC Digital Network, which at least kind of keeps your branding and your appeal settled in that's separate from – Whatever else ESPN Plus is doing, the Syria football and the other um, group of five conferences, which is yeah. a little bit separate. Um, so there's that. I know CBS Sports Network's probably only going to have a handful of men's basketball games uh, just because of what their deal is with the conference still. Uh, but I think we'll see most of the football games on ESPN Plus or uh, the regular platforms, ES, uh, ESPN, ESPN2, U, News, um, ABC, those ones. Um, and the number did jump up from a minimum of 26 to a minimum of 43. And last year there were, I think, 53 uh, games shown on the 
ESPN family of stations. So it's um, the just the floor is higher. The the floor is now higher. The threshold's higher, which is good for the conference. If you're listening to this podcast, um, it probably means that you're going to have to buy ESPN Plus to follow everything that's going on. Now, right now, it's five bucks a month. In the future, they could raise that price. And we sort of signed away our rights to that. So if they wanted to like hop, buy all this stuff up and then charge us 20 bucks a month, I guess they could potentially do that in the future. Um, or just like, you know, say it's 20 bucks a month and here's a whole bunch of content that none of us care about, but we're going to be tied to, you know, they're going to stick the Mountain West and, you know, the, you know, the Big West and every other conference that we don't necessarily want to follow as well. And then there's going to be like boxing and UFC on there that you're going to be paying for too. So on that level, I'm not, but also, unfortunately, this is where it's going. So we can bitch and moan and whine about it, but this, this is the new media environment. And uh, no matter where we were going to go, there was zero chance that we were going to go to any platform where there wasn't going to be some sort of surcharge to be a USF fan for the next, however many years of the length of the deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's it. Um, baseball doesn't have pitching. Softball still good. <laughs> uh, man, baseball does not have any pitching. And that's all I have to say about that because I'm very sad about it. Man alive. And you know what the, the irony is, is that Mole was supposed to be the arms guy. You know, he was, he's was he been the pitching coach when they've been, they've been winning and been successful. Um, it's uh, you lose Carson. You lose Carson Ragsdale before the season starts. You lose Graham Hoffman one outing into the season, and there goes your able pin. Yeah, that stinks. They so, got any chance to compete in the league this year? Man, I don't know. They if I mean they're getting crushed in non-conference. I I don't see them faring well against the good teams in the conference. Like Houston's good. Two lanes a lot better. ECU. Even though they're a shitty school, they're still really good. UCF's good. Um, I mean, what they dropped two of three to Cincinnati, right? Yeah. And Cincinnati's trash. They're hot garbage. Yeah, they've been hot garbage for a while too. Um, this doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. Wichita State's really good still. UConn's UConn because UConn Jim Penders is the second best coach in the conference and Gino's number one. It's not close. Yeah. Great. Gino, Jim. And then and they got lights. They got lights this year. Didn't they? They finally got their lights on the field at UConn. Oh, really? I think, yeah. they, I think they finally got them this year. Or next year. One of the I, two. Yeah. I think, I think they said this year, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but you know, that just, that just sucks. And, and I feel bad for Maul. Um, I assume he's out on the trail trying to get every kid with an intact um, uh, ligament. Ulnar collateral ligament, I believe. Yeah, that, 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 that one. Yeah, so that's, that's my sad boy take on baseball, unfortunately. You know what, though? We got spring game coming. It's going to be a long summer. It's always a long summer. You know, this time of year, it's like, hey, you know, basketball's over. You know, the spring sports are still there. Bat sports are great. Country club school, spring rings is still coming. Men's golf still got a chance to, you know, go for the six-peat. That's super cool. Men's tennis, 
you know, probably not quite where they were. Is that fair? Yes. So they're a little behind, but like, you know, they'll still compete and be in it. And then we're so close. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Illuminati podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Stampede SBN. I'm at Bulls Nathan SBN. Colin is at Colin Sherwin. And it's Anthony Vito underscore, right? That's correct. Oh, there's also an Instagram now. I think there is an Instagram. We started. So Stampede, the Daily Stampede on Instagram. Follow it. We uh we had some great video of the basketball game the other night, and Vito and Steve will be at the game tomorrow night, and I'm sure we'll have great content there. Be sure to follow us and have a good night. Go Be Bulls. loyal. Be loyal.